On this episode of The Hoop Scoop, me, Jake, and PJ get into what the NBA will look like when it comes back on July 31st in Orlando. We also get into some big what-if players in NBA history. We look at DeMarcus Cousins, Brendan Roy, and Penny Hardaway, their rise and fall in NBA stardom. We then finish out the episode with some NBA trivia. Buckle up. Here we go. episode of the hoop scoop cole and pj we did get some good news this past week we will finally be having a return to nba they'll be coming back on july 31st they got a plan in place they did the vote last week so that passed cole if you want to go a little more into the details of how they're actually going to come back and when coming back in july 31st it proposes a lot of different problems for the nba considering it's such a large league and they're going to be bringing back 22 teams the interesting part of this and we've gone over it in a few other podcasts if you want to listen to about the whole structure of the actual playoff standings themselves. But what I want to get into is the fact that some of the teams are there for practically no reason when you look at it. We, we were talking about it, and only the eighth seed and the ninth seed can do the playing games. And so if you look at a team like the Wizards, they have no shot in ever actually making the eighth seed there. Because if it's four games, right? You have to be within four games. Yes, you have to be within four games yeah. of the eighth so- seed. So yeah, the Wizards right now are five and a half back of the Magic. So they have eight, these eight games left of the regular season to make up a game and a half. So, I mean, they have to make up a game and a half just to get to the play-in. And there's no, there's no easy games, really, in this because mm-hmm. any bad team's been eliminated. So you look at the Wizards or the Suns. who The Suns are even a little bit further back, I think. Um, they're, they're six full games back of the Grizzlies. And not only that, the Wizards, at least you can say, they, they just have to get to the Magic. They're only one spot behind. The Suns are 13th right now. So they have to jump the Spurs, the Kings, the Pelicans, the Blazers, and then catch the Grizzlies with eight games and the fact that they're just not a very good team and playing nothing but playoff caliber teams. It seems like they have a few few teams that didn't need to be there like that. But I'm, I'm definitely glad that they do have, have it coming back and they're not jumping right into the playoffs. Also, um, they're discussing in these negotiations here um, certain ways that they can even, or not even the playing field, but um, give the home team a little bit more power as they usually do in, in any home or away contest here. And they're talking about um, selecting one player on the home team and giving them seven fouls or also bringing over all the, um, the floors from all, all the 22 teams and having the, uh, the floor being played on like a, like a, like the Celtics, if they had a home game, they'd be playing in the parquet. So okay, that's yeah. two preposterous opportunities here, um, PJ. So my thought is, what player out of all the NBA rosters would have the best time playing with seven fouls? Well, I know we were discussing this off the air, and that has to be the Boston Celtics, Marcus Smart, knowing the type of gritty player that he is right. and just the, the level of balance that he plays. Because mm-hmm. if you put, if you put on the floor, obviously he's like that 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 player that you know is gonna hustle all over the place. But he also is the kind of player that 
gets kind of physical. And when I mean mm-hmm. kind of, I mean like he's probably the most physical player like on the floor. And so you know that like he, he sometimes there's some games where he has fouled up, but he'll get like four or five fouls, and they got to take him out of the game. But if you implement this rule, you can basically have him throughout most of the game, just guarding your your, your number one score on the on the opposition. So I feel like this can work out for a team like the Celtics, maybe even like the Toronto Raptors, like a guy like OG Ananobi, yeah, or even like a Pascal Siakam. So I was thinking like a guy like Pat Beverly would be another excellent yeah. example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Marcus so Smart, he was the first one that came to my mind. Also, yeah. in other news, did you know Joaquin Noah is still on the Clippers? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Very very deep on the bench there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's not even on the bench. He doesn't even get the team plane or team bus. He, he has to pedal a bike over there to wherever they're playing. He's like the Jawan <laughs> Howard just giving out like handshakes like, yes. like, like he used to do in his Miami. He did. Yeah, he's, sure he's part of the Clippers museum selection. They kind of go over there and look at NBA past. So, um, <laughs> leading into the next session here, um, it's going to be played all in Orlando in Disney there. Um, do you think players will get sick of that environment, especially if they're making deeper playoff runs? Do you think that'll be a point of contention for players? Since maybe further down the line here in the summer, you could have places like Florida, which would most likely start opening up, and then players will still have to be on lockdown inside, inside um, the Orlando uh, facilities there. So do you think that could be a point of contention? Well, I, I saw that they are allowed to go to outdoor restaurants and they're also allowed to golf. So those are probably, they've probably already had discussions with the uh, Players Association and those are some things that come up. Like, look, we're not just going to sit in ho- our hotels if we're not at the gym. There's other things we need to do. So we know a lot of them like to golf. So that's one thing. They got some nice courses there. Um, but that definitely got to get old after a certain amount of time being in Disney for that long. But there could there there also could be worse places to be for three months. Um, Vegas, I'm sure some players would like being, but you could probably go for less than three months in Vegas too, which is another option. So we'll see. They might get they might get a little bit tired of it for sure, though. Are they like allowed to like like go like on like the rides or like <laughs> are like are they just like just like 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 cruising down like just just like like Orlando just like going to the games. Like, are they like allowed to like go like in the, like in the well, park? They are. They are going to be opening. Disney wants to open as soon as possible, so they are kind of like in a separate area near the ESPN um, mm-hmm. part of Disney. But they are. That is another thing. It's not as like like they originally talked about a bubble. That's not what it's going to be because Disney doesn't know when they can open yet. But as soon as they can, they're going to start making money again. So there will be people there at the parks. So also, in, select one NBA player. Who'd be the biggest liability at a theme park? Who would it be? Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard. Okay, yeah. that's a, that's a good choice. I think a guy like um, Enos Cantor would be a, a good choice there. Uh, I think I think he would be he would have a he would have a day over there. I think Dwight's teammate Javal McGee. That would be another one. Javal would yeah. have way too much fun on the rides at Disney. Going on here, some notable stars such as James Harding have been rumored to have lost a lot of weight and get like a lot more leaner. Do you think that's going to be the trend for this NBA over the next couple of months here? What lose just lo- getting in better shape? Yeah, not even that, or just 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 playing a little thinner, just playing skinnier, trying to be a little bit more cardiovascularly sound and give up some strength. Yeah, I mean, some players have like Harden's a guy who can do it because um, he he was ne- like he's a guy that was never like that skinny to begin with. Um, but like they, they are going to definitely, you talked about this last time, have to be in good shape because this is, this is something they've, they've never done. These guys since high school have been doing high school ball, AAU, straight into college, straight into the NBA where it's year round every day. 
And then all of a sudden they were just told to stop for mm. at this point, almost three months. Um, next week will be three months. So that's not something they're used to. So they have a little bit of a ramp up period with the training camp, but if they can be in shape like that, that's definitely a good idea. Cause this is territory. None of them are used to. So out of all the NBA players right now, who do you think has the best golf game? Maybe Curry, Curry golfs a lot. I feel like Curry yeah. would be a really good golf. So Curry's the easy choice, but I think I have a dark horse in here. Who is and it? I think that dark horse could be Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice? <laughs> yeah. Why, why, why Daniel Tice? Because I, I feel like um, he's just, just in the way he plays basketball, he doesn't have that much flow or that much. He's very rigid, and I think that would, that would really easily translate over to golf. I, I would probably say LeBron because the, LeBron's always the type of guy, you know, like that has like the glass of red wine. He's got, he's, he's always got the do-rag on, the cigar in his hand. So like you, you, I, I can see him lining up some shots. Yes. as Yep. <laughs> okay. So going into the top five teams determined by Vegas to have the best odds at winning the uh, NBA finals this year, we got both the Lakers and surprise, surprise, the Milwaukee Bucks actually at plus 250. We then mm-hmm. have the Clippers at plus one uh, three thirty three. We have the Houston Rockets, huge drop off here, plus twelve hundred, and then the wow. Boston Celtics rounding out at plus two thousand. If you were a betting man, wow. Jake, where would your money lie? Um, I I would say Clippers. Um, I've just for a while thought they're the best team, and um, just if you're doing it from a like a money perspective, you get a little extra money there. I like the Clippers the best, and the fact that they're not even the favorite just gives you um. More of a chance, I think, especially as we keep talking about with this schedule, you know, a long uh, drop off or time with no games, and then going right into a very packed schedule. I think that favors a team that's a little bit younger. Um, they they're they're a deeper team, so I I do like them. The one thing is though, um, the whole load management that's been a favorite of Kawhi's and a lot of the Clippers now all this year. So they're they're not going to be able to do that, and Kawhi's really never pushed himself too hard this year as far as he's taking some games off can't do that in the playoffs so it'll be interesting to see he hasn't been injured lately but he's always been careful because of his injury so we'll see if he can handle this this schedule on, on his body how about you pj i think it was definitely odd to like to see like that um the clippers were number three on this list i could see how the lakers are number one but i mm-hmm. I, I just didn't see like, i in my opinion i don't think the bucks are better than the lakers i just think that they're they're, yeah. they're tied but um, yeah, I think I'm really surprised that they had the Clippers as the uh, third coming here. But if you go like uh, deeper down the list, like you're talking about Cole, like like you just have teams like like the Rockets and the Celtics that are way down there. Like like, mm-hmm. like they're basically giving them like not even giving them a chance. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, I know like I said like on the last episode how there could how there could be room for upsets, but uh, according to Vegas, they're, they're really not seeing that in the future. Yeah. So going into some notable dates here, the. NBA lottery is going to be on August the 25th. The draft is then October 15th. Free agency starts on the 18th of October. Then training camp less than a month later is on November 10th. And then the prospective season start date was originally December 1st, but that was immediately um, shot down by the NBA Players Association. But on the flip side here, the reason why they chose December 1st was that because it gave them an adequate time period to play 82 games and also give them adequate rest between games while also playing um, the 2021 Olympic Games and, and fielding a, a U.S. men's team field of uh, NBA players. So 
my question is if they have to push it back later so say new year's eve or christmas right do you mm-hmm. think we'll have to be giving up on some of the games or do you think the time between games are going to give up first? What, what do you think it will be? They, they definitely, the, I think giving up actual games is the last choice. They already lost a good amount of money this spring with what they lost. So if push comes to shove, I think they'll just play it in a shorter window and less days off, but still try and get the 82 games because they have a lot of TV contracts and stuff where they have to hit those numbers. Mm. So that's you, you, you got to give somewhere. You either start December 1st and have a shorter off season or you start later and have less days off or you start later with the same amount of days off and do less games. So at somewhere, someone has to give something and I don't think the players or the league wants to give up money. So I think if they want to start later, they'll, they'll do less days off and still play the full 82. EJ. Yeah, I agree with Jake. I hundred percent, but uh, I feel like they're going to start cramming in. Like like all all this at the same time, like when it starts out. So hopefully no one gets injured during this, mm. like from like the excessive uh, training. Yeah, that's that was my perspective on it. Yeah, they could be getting a lot of injuries here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But Chris Paul was big into um, as the leader of the players' association, getting that training camp to avoid that. So hopefully that helps with it. But I still think that's definitely a, a risk that we're or we're gonna see more injuries than normal. I think that's just something mm-hmm. that we know absolutely. for sure. All right, so leading into some more NBA talk here, PJ, I want you to introduce our next topic here. All right, everybody of the Hoop Scoop universe. So what we are proposing is uh, basically uh, in the NBA world, the NBA players that, how how are we saying it? Basically the NBA players that had a lot of potential but didn't really. The biggest drop-offs. We'll talk about the biggest drop-offs. They could be. It could be a disgruntled employee, it could be injuries. Whatever player had the brightest star in the league got shot down when they're on their peak to reaching a very promising career. So, PJ, who would you start off with? Absolutely. So, my number one choice would be Anne Penny Hardaway. Mm. Coming out of college, he was uh, from Memphis. And uh, basically in the 90s, we, we haven't really seen – a play, well, like other the people were really comparing him to Magic Johnson because he was a six seven point guard, mm. and he was a slim fast guy who was really just like electrifying. Like like mm-hmm. he could he could pass, he could shoot. He was a tremendous finisher at the rim, and so coming out of the draft in '93, he was drafted uh, by the Warriors number three overall. Eventually, getting traded to the Magic, pairing pairing him uh, with Shaquille O'Neal, and then uh, his first year, he averaged sixteen points. And he actually played very well for a rookie. But I didn't know this uh, going into a second year. Uh, you're, you're able to uh, – back then you're able to construct your contract more differently than obviously how they do it nowadays. And he was the highest paid NBA player as a sophomore. This is obviously when Jordan was on the uh, White Sox in, in the MLB, when his first retirement. And so I, I, I didn't know he was uh, the first retired uh, – sorry, the first um, uh, highest paid player. Anyways – uh, they made it to the finals that year, and they got swept by Akeem Olajuwon and the Rockets. And then that's basically when everything started to fall downhill. Shaq, uh, two years later, left to go to L.A., and Penny eventually got injured, and that's really what became his downfall. And what people don't really know about him is that he was a four-time All-Star from – I'm looking at it right now – from 95 to uh, 98, four-time All-Star, and he was a two-time first-team All-NBA player. And then he just got a left knee injury, and that kind of really kept him out of contention for a long time. Then he got traded to Phoenix for 
two players and two first round draft picks in 1999. So they're really banking on his potential. Mm. And obviously Phoenix kind of whiffed on that one. Yeah. Uh, Jake, who is your player? I went with Brandon Roy. Um, and he, he, I think, was a guy that just um, – you know, I don't think he ever had the peak that Penny had because I don't think he, he really got the choice – the chance to even get there. Um, he, I mean, looking – doing some preparation for this, I knew his career was cut short. I didn't realize he only played five years with the Trailblazers. I mean, that is – that's drastically short for a guy who, who came into the league. He was, he was really good right away. He was almost a consensus rookie of the year's first year. The next year, his second year in the league, he was already an all-star, averaging nearly 20 points a game. Um, he made t- two more all-stars after that in 2009, 2010. And he was, just, he was just smooth. He could shoot well. He got to the rim pretty easily. Um, he made it to the playoffs a couple times with the Trailblazers as a young player. But that, that knee injury was just always there. It was What they called it was a degenerate knee condition. And I guess it got to the point where it was pretty much bone on bone in his knees, just like rubbing against each other, like which – Obviously, it's just a gruesome injury, and it just it completely just derailed his career. Um, he after so that he played a high of seventy eight games his third year, and then he went down to sixty five, and then he went down to forty seven, and then he retired for a year. Tried to make a comeback with the Timberwolves, but it, it just it wasn't possible. He only played five games, so just sad to see. Brandon Roy could have been like elite. Um, Kobe Bryant said one time, I think it was at an All Star game, how Brandon Roy is just one of the the hardest guys to guard in the league. And he was, I mean, he, he was an all-star early in his career and he hadn't even hit his peak yet. And um, like, if he could have just kept going, he like, I feel like he would have been an all NBA type player. That trailblazers team he had a lot of potential. I, I feel bad for them um, with, with just his injuries being ruining his career, um, passing up on Kevin Durant in one draft for Greg Oden, who also just was destroyed by injuries. But um, yeah, Brandon Roy was just, a guy that if like I feel we all kind of got cheated of seeing what he could have became um so that's that's a guy I would go with who was definitely like you said Cole on a way to becoming a star and just never really got to got to get to that point I want to make an amendment to a previous comment I made uh Danny Ainge nor Steve Kerr was the GM of the Phoenix Suns at the time of that um Penny Hardaway trade it was uh Brian uh Colangelo huh. you might recognize from being uh Toronto's GM and also the 76ers GM there for yes. a little bit there too. So um, yeah, I agree with the Brendan Roy and I also brought, um, um, agree with the uh, Penny Hardaway segments you guys both brought up. And those are two sizable guards. Um, the guy I want to get into here is more recent and that's DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins was mm-hmm. um, a four-time All-Star and two-time, yeah, four-time All-Star, two-time NBA and 2010 to 2011 all-rookie year guy uh he's a start he had multiple 40 point games some even 50 point games when he was paired up alongside um anthony davis in new orleans he was a really special player there too so he showed an aptitude for playing well with star players and also an aptitude for playing well by himself that all came to a grinding halt tore his achilles tore his acl then messed up his ankle he found his way out of sacramento he found his way into new orleans didn't do well there for a while and then got um, signed by Golden State. Did not do well there either. Had a cup of coffee, not even a cup of coffee. He poked his head into the Lakers um, <laughs> operations room. They said, hey, Hawaii. He took a seat there for about 10 minutes and then got up and left without saying a word. So the whole thing with DeMarcus Cousins is 
is that he averaged nearly 34 minutes over the course of his career. Averaged, uh, he's got a career average of 21 points per game and a career average of nine rebounds a game. So he's a very talented player. His numbers show him as being a prolific scorer and a prolific rebounder, but it all came to a grinding halt when um, his injuries caught up to him. And beyond that, he carried a lot of weight around his um, NBA career here. He had an average weight fluctuation between uh, 285 and 270. That's a hefty load there. So a large man. He is a large guy. And it's being 6'10", he's, he's a big body down low. And that's, he was also a very skilled player. He made leaps and bounds progression in uh, Sacramento. And he became a lot more complete player with uh, expanding his outside shot expanding his dribble and also his post-up game. He was a very complete player, uh, also defensively too, when he was motivated, which was another key issue with DeMarcus Cousins was that a lot of times he became uh, a disgruntled employee for whatever team he was yeah. on just because it seemed like the ego he, he had was, was just too large for a lot of locker rooms. So I thought I always liked him as a player. There's a lot of times he was rumored to be traded or in trade talks to the Celtics. But oftentimes, Brad Stevens, actually not oftentimes, Brad Stevens put his foot down in saying he didn't want to coach a guy like DeMarcus Cousins because just his locker room doom and gloom that he had over people was too prolific. Now, on the flip side, we didn't get DeMarcus Cousins, but we did get Kyrie Irving, who some could say had even more of an adverse effect than DeMarcus Cousins would have. Probably. Mm -hmm. Those are three stars that never were or stars that were shining quite bright that then came crashing down, and that is Brandon Roy, Penny Hardaway, and DeMarcus Cousins. I liked all those selections here. I want to get into some trivia to end out the episode. Uh, Jake, do you want to start us off? Sure. We're doing a couple, so should I just do one and we'll go yeah, three we'll, rounds? Yeah, we'll do, yeah. Kind of random, but it's definitely an important moment in NBA history. Mm-hmm. So who was or who hit the first ever NBA three-pointer? Ooh, was it Barry? No, it's a former Celtic. Not a uh, big name, though. Mm, I do not know. PJ, any guess? Is it Larry, is it Larry Siegfried? No, it is Chris Ford. Um, it was in 1979. I think the Celtics just must have had one of the first games after the three-point line was added. Mm. But more importantly, that same night on the 10th of October, or the 12th of October, 1979, also Larry Bird's debut. So... Larry Bird's first game was also the first uh, NBA three-pointer ever. It's, al- it's always strange to remember that like the three-point shot wasn't introduced till 79. Yeah, 79. That's a lot more recent than, than you would suspect, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's some players you think about as somewhat modern players who never really played with it. Mm-hmm. I'll go with my question here. With the fourth pick in the 2001 NBA draft, the Chicago Bulls selected a player straight out of high school. Who was that player? If you don't get it right off the top of your head, I can list off some players here. Can I, can I make my answer? Yes. Tyson Chandler. Mm, Jake, what do you got? Yeah, honestly, I, I have no idea. Okay, so the answers could be Tyson Chandler, Eddie Curry, Kendrick Perkins, or Kwame Brown. I'll, I'll say Eddie Curry because I'm not going to piggyback off PJ. Okay, so Jake is right. PJ is wrong. It was Eddie Curry. <laughs> <laughs> Huh. I think That's... I think Chandler was like like I think they were in the same draft class though. Either that or like I know they got paired up like between each other. Like the and he was out of high school too, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was he was uh is it, is it my turn now? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So gentlemen, out of all the current NBA players that are in the NBA today, 
who has scored the most points in their collegiate career? I will give you guys four names. Oh, I don't, have, I, can I guess before you even give them? Sure. Is it Doug McDermott? Okay. It's Tyler Hansborough. <laughs> so we have Tyler, Tyler Hansborough. We have Doug McDermott. We have J.J. Redick. We have Chris Clemens. And you said Tyler Hansborough mm-hmm. and uh, Doug McDermott. The answer is going to be Chris Clemens. What? Huh. Chris Clemens is a backup point guard for the Houston Rockets right now. And I did not know this. This boggled my mind and still does. He is third on the total scoring list out of every single NBA – sorry, out of every single collegiate player that has ever played in the NCAA. He's number three on the point scored. Where's he go? Maravich. He went to Campbell. What? Oh. Where is that? He's, he's a 5'9 point guard. <laughs> wow. He scored three thousand. Sorry, he scored three thousand two hundred and twenty-five points in in his four-year college career. Wow, because I I knew Doug McDermott is seventh all time, so I was like, There's yeah, no yeah, one he, yeah, currently he, playing yeah. who's higher than that. But mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking Chris Clemens. Chris Clemens. <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's interesting. I would not have got that. Um, I'll move I'll move on to my second. Um, there's been two players in NBA history who have won four defensive players of the year. Uh, they're, they're tied for the most ever, these two players with four. Who are they? Is it Michael Jordan? Nope. Oh, okay, PJ, go ahead. <laughs> well, okay, I'll see my first answer. My first answer is Ben Wallace. Yes, that's one of them. Yep. Is it, is it Dwight Howard? Nope. Okay, I don't know. Oh, I was going to say Dwight. I'll just go with uh, – I'll go with uh, – well, we'll change one. The other one is the Kembe Matumbo. Oh, that's oh, yeah. Wow. So another another big man. Yeah, all big men for that one. Yep. Mm-hmm. In NBA history, who has missed the most field goals? Hmm. Kobe Bryant. Jake. Yeah, I was gonna say Kobe or LeBron. I, uh, I feel like it is Kobe. Yes, you are both correct. It is Kobe Bryant at nearly fifteen thousand missed field goals. He reached <laughs> it in twenty fourteen. Wow. Huh. Made a lot too, though. Yes, that's, that's also that's, true. That's, you gotta... Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Pretty prominent player. Mm-hmm. All right. So for my second one, okay, gentlemen, who is the youngest player to ever record a triple-double in an NBA game? We have LeBron James, mm-hmm. Ben Simmons, mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant, or Markel Fultz. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it was Markel Fultz. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I, I just remember like seeing this recently. So based off of that, I feel like it is Fultz. Gentlemen, you are both correct. He was 19 years old in 317 days. So he was he was still in the Sixers then, right? He was still in the Sixers. Yes, that was probably his only prominent moment of the Sixers career. He didn't even play play much that his rookie no. year, right? Or did I think he? That have... was the second. I think that was the second year in the league. Yeah. If I if I believe, I, I'm really not sure. It's on my head. Huh. Okay. Um. So I'll move on to my third. This is another defensive question. Who is the only player to three-peat as Defensive Player of the Year? Uh, was, it, was it Michael? Nope. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just going to go with Ben Wallace again. Nope. This one is Dwight Howard. Oh, so it is. He, uh, he came one short of tying them for the four, but he mm. did all his damage three years in a row. He was a beast in like the mid to late 2000s. Yeah, I would say probably from like, what, like 2008 to 2011 there. Yeah. Yeah, when they, they had a finals run in there. Yeah, in 2009 mm-hmm. to 2010, they finals, yeah. Okay, so this is my question here. There have only been five quadruple doubles achieved in the NBA during the 20th century. Which player is responsible for two of them? Now, this is in the mm-hmm. 20th century here. I'll give you some options here. We got Alvin Robertson, Hakeem Olajuwon, 
David Robinson, and Nate Thurman. Okay, I know I, the answer, so, so Jake, you can go. I, I know David Robinson did one, but I don't know if he has multiple. I'm just going to guess Nate Thurman. That sounds right. I was going to guess Nate Thurman as well. Yes, Nate Thurman. <laughs> VJ, you're wrong. It's Hakeem Olajuwon. Oh. <laughs> 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 and this is even more interesting here. So he scored two trip, uh, quadruple doubles in one month. Really? Do you know, do you know what, it, what it was? was it yes. Like so I'll list you off the, the line here. So on March the 3rd, 1990, Hakeem Olajuwon had 29 points, 18 rebounds, 10 assists, and 11 blocks. Wow. On the wow. 29th of March, he scored 18 points, 16 rebounds, 10 assists, and another 11 blocks. How many, how many how many weeks apart was this? Was this like multiple? I, this I, is I so March these. March third and then the 29th. So the first wow. and last Couple week of, of the month. Yeah. What what year was this? Did you say? 1990. Wow. wow. So he was six years into his career there. Yep. Six. Dominant. So, but that's <laughs> I I found that is really really interesting. Not that he got um two quadruple doubles in the century. No, what no one else did. He got two in the same month. Yeah, and it's not like he just like snuck by with like 10 points 10 rebounds he was he was putting up 29 points 18 rebounds Jeez. and blocking everything in her sight yeah yeah imagine, <laughs> imagine <laughs> some guy blocking 11 times in a game that's absurd like when you see someone who blocks so like even the whole team like maybe two times or three times in a game you're like wow that guy's mm-hmm. elite imagine 11 times imagine 11. how demoralizing that is that you're like team <laughs> put up 11 field goals and, they, and 11 of them got swatted by one guy. Like, at a certain yeah. point, you just stop taking it in the paint, Adam? I guess, I guess not. <laughs> no, they were trying the dream. <laughs> so, yeah, that, I right. thought that was a pretty cool stat. Okay, so for my last trivia, trivia question, gentlemen, I'm going to name you four players. Which NBA player has never been named to the All-Star team? Hmm. We have Jameer Nelson, no. Monte Ellis, Devin Harris or Jeff Teague, which has never been named to an all-star team. Monte Ellis. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ellis. You guys are both correct. Because I remember Jameer Nelson got it when the um, Orlando Magic made a run in 09 there when Kevin Garnett injured his knee and made the East wide open. I know that he got it then. I know – who were the other two there? Uh, It was was, – Devin uh, Devin Harris also had like a strange – um, all-star level season with the Nets yeah. in yeah, 2010. With, with, uh, New yep. And then Teague had um, that year where like four Hawks made it. The year yeah. they won 60 games. I think it was yeah, five. It, and it was Kyle Corver, him, Teague. Yeah, Kyle Corver. Yeah, yeah. Corver, Paul Millsap. Teague, Paul Millsap and, and uh, um, Al Horford. Al Horford. Yep. <laughs> They're just whole starting lineup, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Corver. That's an old Kyle Corver, too. Yeah. yeah he I think he's like 35. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's an interesting one. I don't know how that happened. Also um, strange because you think about how many good years Monte Ellis has had. You know, I know that that that's why that's why I uh, proposed it. Monte Ellis was, was like like a pretty good scorer, especially in Golden State. He was just like really inefficient. Yeah, so that, that's great. Does any any more questions, Jake? Do you have one more? Or are we done? No, I I did my three. All right. Mm-hmm. So that is this episode of the Hoop Scoop podcast. Make sure to listen to some other episodes here. We got it up on the Quick Takes Podcast Network. There are all a lot of good shows here, more trivia involved in the episode most recent to this one. Anyways, make sure to check us out, Quick Takes, on Instagram. We're going to be coming out with a post here. Make sure to comment if you have any NBA trivia. Put down in the comments or any if you have any 
points of contentions against any of our hot takes, make sure to put it down there in the Instagram. So anyways, I thank you, PJ and Jake, for joining us on this episode of the Hoop Scoop. We'll be back next week. See, See you next week. Thanks there.